Good morning. How is everybody? Welcome to church. Woo! <clears throat> um, so glad to see you guys. Could you please uh, rise up to your feet? Um, I'd like to share a, a passage from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 4 on into verse 9. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much that in spite of who we were, uh, you um, loved us so much that uh, you came to this earth. Uh, you lived a perfect life, uh, and, and you died a, a sinner's death on a cross uh, for us. Uh, you once and for all paid for us uh, so that we could be made alive in Christ Jesus. We love you, and we, we just uh, worship you this morning because you're so worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name. Yeah. 
Yes, Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. Uh, we submit the things of this world uh, to you. Jesus, we, um, we want to look away from our old self and towards you. So help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We thank you that through your work on the cross, uh, we are given access to the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. We are allowed to live freely, and we are allowed to live in the presence of the, the God who is the almighty God. Uh, so, Father, we, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, uh, because, of in, you know, in spite of who we were, uh, you, you sent him to this earth uh, to be a ransom for us. And Holy Spirit, uh, we pray that you would convict our hearts uh, this morning, that we would um, be willing to set down our old ways uh, and take on the new, the new ways of, of our, our King Jesus. We know that we can't do that without your grace, uh, so we pray uh, that your grace would just be uh, flowing in and through us. Uh, and we just pray as we worship you uh, that you would be honored, uh, you would be glorified above all. Uh, we love you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, guys, uh, before you sit down, could you say hi to somebody? Maybe give an air five or handshake. Good morning, third service. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, it is great to see all of you here this morning. Talk about an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, a couple quick announcements before we get into the sermon. Uh, first of all, if you are a visitor here this morning, it's great to have you. Welcome to Whitestone. Welcome to the Whitestone family. I'd encourage you on your way out. There's a little gift bag for you. Uh, grab one on your way out. If we run out, we can get more next week too, but help yourself to that. All right, uh, coming up on August 7th, we're going to be having our worship night at the City Beach in Economwalk. Uh, got postponed from sometime in June to now August 7th. That'll be at 7 p.m., and uh, we're trying to invite the entire church to come out to that. It'll be a wonderful time of just worshiping the Lord out there um, and allowing our worship to just, you know, fall over the city of Economwalk and that whole Lake Country area. So let's just all do that together. I am uh, just want to mention, too, that we are collecting... 
um, some things for the Whitestone Warriors. Uh, that is a, an organization, a ministry that is helping the homeless people in Milwaukee as well in, as in Waukesha. And we're collecting little baseball caps, or baseball caps, sunscreen, uh, chapstick, um, sunglasses, anything you know, that would help them as they have to be outside in this stuff all the time. Men, coming up in uh, September, as you guys realize, we had to cancel the men's advance in May, which we typically go. Uh, it has been rescheduled for the month of September, from September 11th through the 13th, and so please mark your calendars for that. There's going to be a lot more details coming in the, in the upcoming weeks here, but I just wanted you to make sure you lock out that weekend, because we're going to be able to go up to Fort Wilderness and spend uh, a weekend together as a group of men and just to run after Jesus together. So be paying attention for uh, in the upcoming weeks. We'll have some more details in regards to that. Well, guys, we started our Family Sunday series last week, and for you kids in the, in the building today, uh, what do we typically start out our sermon with during Family Sunday series? Okay, candy. How do we get the candy? Yep, we got to ask questions. we got to answer questions. So rather than wear gloves today, I'm just going to get a little squirt of this stuff. You guys okay with that? Uh, I ripped this bag open during second, and it was pretty bad. All right, question number one. Let's just focus on this section right here, uh, primarily going for kids. What body of water would most likely have a current? Now, I'm not giving you multiple choice. You guys are smart enough to do it. Jude? What? Very good, dude. Well done. Hey, River. All right, this section right here. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon. After he was done preaching, how many people believed and joined the church in Jerusalem that day? This section. Anna? 3,000. Good job, sweetie. Surprised your dad knew that. Good job. All right, this section right here. Um, shortly after that, just a little while after, how much did the church grow to? 5,000. Well done, buddy. Good job. All right, this section right here. Yeah, Sean, you were 0 for 3 last week, so I would just, just lay low. What does persecution mean? It's kind of a tough one. Raise your hand, anybody? Sean, give it a go. <laughs> Brad, what does persecution mean? To be persecuted. <laughs> Very good. Good job. Very good. All right, and then last one. This is open to anybody. Raise your hand. When the church in Jerusalem was persecuted and scattered all over the place, what did these people who were scattered go and do? You've got to raise your hand and wave your share the word. Very good, Suzanne. You ready? <laughs> Okay. All right, now I get to throw candy. You guys ready? Okay, guys. Family Sunday, what do we do? Always look, okay, because this gets dangerous. Heads up. Heads up in the back there. Ooh, I got to get further back row here. You guys ready? Did that make it? All right, here you go, guys. You ready? Oh, Joanne. Show <laughs> almost nailed you. Here we go. Everybody watching? Hans? There you go. Eric, quit stealing. Craig? 
All right, this section here, we'll start way in the back, okay? If you're wearing mask, it may block some. In the middle, and then in the front. Good job. Cover the baby. This is where it gets painted. Okay, way in the back. Right here in the middle. This section's getting a lot. Here you go, honey. Ready? Good job. Oops, sorry, Diane. See, always watching. Good job. Any concussions? No? One concussion? It's not bad. All righty. Well, uh, in case you weren't here last week, the title of our series is called Against the Current. And as Jude answered, current is like a river. When a river moves along, that's called a current. Like if you go to Noah's Ark and you get in the lazy river and you kind of sit in the little tube and you kind of float along, the current takes you along. That's kind of a slow current, but sometimes there's swift currents in, in rivers. And during this series, we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Paul who was used by God in a really big way. But you're going to find out, we're going to see that everywhere he went, he was going against the current. The world was coming against him. This world of evil was coming against him, and he had a fight against that current. And, and that, that's, you know, we're going to find that in all of our stories. Now, speaking about going against the current, i got a story to kind of segue into the sermon a little bit. Um, several years ago, it was probably like 10-something years ago, uh, Jake Andrus called me up, and Jake is our youth pastor. And he called me up and says, hey, Luke, uh, any chance you have a uh, snake to be able to plunge out a, a toilet? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I do. He says, can you come over and just help me? And so I'm like, sure, man, I'll be right over. So I went over there, and uh, we started trying to put it into the toilet and plunge it. And he goes, yeah. He goes, Dina's really upset at me. She says it's my fault that I clogged the toilet. She goes, La he goes, last night I was shaving my head, and I, I put the leftover hair into the toilet. And she says that I clogged it. And so I'm like, huh, Jake, I, I highly doubt that. Like, here's a picture of Jake if you don't know what Jake looks like. I really don't think your three little hairs are going to clog the toilet up, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I may, may be wrong with this. And so we kept trying to, you know, clog it, and it just would not go. And so I says, hey, bro, we're going to have to pull the toilet and, you know, see, see what's going on. We might have to, it might be somewhere in, you know, in the pipe below. So I lifted the toilet up, tipped on the side, and water was spilling everywhere. So he went into the kitchen to go get a towel. And when I tipped the toilet over, here were two little feet hanging out the bottom of the toilet. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And so I grab my pliers, and I grab the feet, and I pull it out. And here is a dead squirrel hanging from my pliers. And so Jake's in the kitchen. I go, dude, there's a squirrel in your toilet. And he's like, what? I'm like, there's a squirrel in your toilet. And he's like, shut up. And he comes walking, and he's like, Oh, my word, there's a squirrel in my toilet. Now, I, whenever I you know, tell stories, people are like, Luke, I don't know if we should really believe your stories or not. They're so kind of crazy. Here's proof of that, that story. Isn't that gross? After first service, somebody came up and said, uh, actually, the same thing happened to his mother. Uh, she lived in those Wilkinson apartments there in, in Oconomowoc. 
and she said, a squirrel, but the, here was the difference. This squirrel actually made it up where the head was sticking out the hole. And so when she lifted the lid, there's a the little squirrel head just looking at her, and it, it dead there. I mean, I, that would change the way you go to the bathroom for the rest of your life. <laughs> Going against the current is not easy. So you're probably wondering, how did that happen? Uh, the squirrel was probably running around on the roof jumped into a vent pipe and fell down the bottom of the vents and it was trying to get up and go. And as Jake's probably flushing the toilet, it's trying to go against the current and it got wedged into the toilet and that's how it got stuck there. So is that candy delicious now? As you guys are looking at that picture. <laughs> Everybody's out there like this. Uh, that's gross. So like I said, going against the current's not easy. Sometimes it can be life-threatening. Uh, and as we see in the life of Paul, you're going to see that's the case. Uh, this world is bent against God, the enemy, the kingdom of darkness is trying its best to shut down any follower of Jesus Christ. And so you can be assured that going against this current world is going to be hard, and that's just reality. Now, last week we ended talking about how the church in Jerusalem suddenly hit a terrible time of persecution. This is the worst verse we looked at last week. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the disciples were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. On that day, great persecution broke out. Now notice it says, on that day. And you might ask yourself, well, what is that day? Well, we're going to talk about that day, that specific day. What happened on that day? And I know this series is about Paul, and he's the main character of this series. But we're going to actually today talk about a different man by the name of Stephen. Stephen is going to be our main character today. Now, Paul is going to show up on the scene today. He is going to show up in this story, uh, but the main guy is going to be Stephen. Is anybody here called Stephen? Steve, Stephen? Eric, I already know your name. Okay. Didn't know? I'd give you candy, but... All right. Just to give you a little background on Stephen... Uh, Last week, if you know, I kind of set the table for this series. It was right after Jesus ascended to the Father. The early church was starting, um, and the apostles were, you know, as the church was growing to like 5,000 plus people, the apostles were trying to minister to people and take care of people, and at some point, they gathered together, and they said, you know what? It's not right that we're spending all of our time, in a sense, waiting on tables and feeding the, the poor and the sick and the widows. We need to raise up people in our midst who will do that work so that we can focus on the ministry of the Word, so that we can teach the Word and study the Word and really serve the church in that regard. And so they looked for a group of godly men who would be able to help serve in that, in that way. And there was a group of men, but Stephen was one of those men. And, you know, not much is mentioned about Stephen in the Bible, but I'll tell you, whatever is mentioned about Stephen is amazing. He must have been an amazing, amazing man. In fact, let me just show you one verse in, in chapter 6. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was full of what? Grace and power. What is grace? It's God's activity in our lives, doing things that we could never do. And he was, he was demonstrating that, showing, displaying that. God's power and activity was flowing through his life in such a way that signs and wonders were being manifested. Now, we don't know what those signs and wonders are. The scripture does not tell us. But it must have been so amazing and so terrific that people in the city were starting to pay attention. 
Stephen's life was on fire for God. He was sold out for Jesus, and he was extending the kingdom of God to, to the world around him, and it was absolutely amazing. Now, let me ask you kids, when somebody is sold out for Jesus, and they're following Jesus, and they're running hard after him, and amazing things are happening, what is the first thing that starts to happen against those people? Persecution, exactly. Persecution starts to rise up against this person. And that's exactly what we're going to see start to happen against Stephen. The enemy tries to shut it down as fast as it can. And there's a reason why. Because darkness hates the light. The kingdom of darkness hates the kingdom of light. And it is always trying to fight against it. And we're going to see that Stephen suddenly finds himself going against the current. And I'm telling you, it's a strong current against him. Let me show you. Verse 9, it says, Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those of Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So Stephen is there, and, and he's doing amazing things. And so these people are kind of like seeing this, and they're probably getting jealous. And they're like, mm, this ticks me off that he can do all this stuff. So they begin to argue with him and debate with him and start to cause this dispute against him. And as they're trying to do this, Stephen is so filled with the Spirit, and he's so filled with the wisdom because of the Spirit, that he just brilliantly answers their questions and debates right back to where they can't withstand it. They can't fight against him. They, they're just not able to argue back against Stephen. And that frustrates them, and that ticks them off even more. So it goes on. It says, so what they did is they secretly instigated men. They, they found men who would start to say things that weren't true. And they started to say, we've heard this Stephen guy speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they started telling the people that, and they stirred up the people, they stirred up the elders, they stirred up the scribes. And, and, and when the people started hearing this, they're like, well, who is this guy? And they run after him, and they grab him, and they seize him, and they bring him before the council, this, this ruling council. And, and at the council... These people set up false witnesses, people who are going to tell lies about Stephen. And these, these false witnesses get up and they say, This man, Stephen, never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. We've even heard this guy say that this Jesus of Nazareth who they worship, he's going to come down, he's going to destroy this holy place, he's going to destroy this building, and he's going to change all the customs of the law that Moses gave us. And so they're, they're just laying out all these lies and trying to instigate all this stuff against Stephen. And what is Stephen doing? Well, let me show you, and I think this is so cool. It says, And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, what do you think that means? Do you think that, that means like when... Sean's grandma would see Sean and like, oh, Sean, you've got such the face of an angel. Oh, you're just so adorable. You think that's what the council was saying? Do you think that they were looking at Stephen and saying, man, do you see that dude's face? I mean, it's like perfect. It's like the face of an angel. What do you think they were saying? Exactly, that his face was glowing like that of an angel. Kids, let me ask you a question. On Christmas night, the day that Jesus was born, angels showed up to the shepherds. And when they showed up, what shone all around? 
Yeah, light, the glory of God, it says, shone all around them. And the shepherds were terrified because of this sudden brightness. Well, Stephen is sitting there, and I believe that he is shining forth the glory of God. Okay? It's, it's a little bit like, you know, if you ever met people who, who are so holy and so godly, and they're such amazing followers of Jesus Christ, that they literally have a glow about them? Well, I think that's appropriate. Because, you know, we were created by God to shine forth or reflect the glory of God. We were meant to shine. But we know that because of sin, we've fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks because of Jesus and the Spirit of God in us, more and more we can start to take on the image of Jesus and we can start to grow in ever-increasing glory is what it tells us in Corinthians. Well, Stephen, a righteous, holy man, is standing there before the council and it says that his face looked like the angel. It was just glowing. And everyone in the room saw it. So Stephen is standing there in front of this ruling council. And the high priest asked him, he goes, So Stephen, is this true? What these guys are saying, is this true? And, and you would think if that were me, I mean, I would be standing there. I'm like, oh, no, it's not true. Okay? All these things are lies. I feel like my rights are being violated. You should have never arrested me. You should have never brought me here. This is wrong. All I was doing was good stuff, and you guys are trying to you know, say all these lies against me. I would have had a long explanation of blah, 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 blah. But Stephen doesn't do that. Stephen instead, rather than answer the question, suddenly begins to preach a sermon. He suddenly starts to back way up into the Old Testament and give these, this ruling council a Bible lesson. He backs up to Moses, and he's talking about how Moses met God in the burning bush and how God used Moses to, to rescue the Israelites from the Egyptians, and he works all the way through to where Jesus comes onto the scene, and he basically gives this ruling council, these uppity-up religious people, a Bible lesson. And I'm sure they were probably sitting there going, who is this little punk think he is that he's, there he's trying to teach us the Bible? We're the one that should be doing the teaching, not him. But he, he does this. And when he gets to the end of his sermon, he says these words. And I want you to see these words. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who, were, who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, who you have now betrayed and murdered. You received the law as delivered by angels, and you didn't keep it. Now, those are pretty tough words, but I want to read it from the message. It's a paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, and he puts it kind of in our language. Look at what he says. He's talking to this ruling council. He's looking right in their face, and he says this. And you continue so bullheaded, calluses on your hearts, flaps on your ears, deliberately ignoring the Holy Spirit. You're just like your ancestors. I mean, seriously, was there ever a prophet who didn't get the same treatment? Your ancestors killed anyone who dared talk about the coming of this just one. And you know what? You've kept up the family tradition. You're traitors. You're murderers. All of you. You had God's law handed to you by the angels, gift-wrapped, and you squandered it. Now, kids, let me ask you. When he spoke those words to the ruling council... How do you think they took it? Do you think they went, wow, that was excellent. He really has a good point. You think they, they said it like that? No, let me show you how they responded. It says, now when they heard these things, they were what? Enraged. 
and they ground their teeth at him. What does it mean to grind your teeth at someone? It's kind of like when mom or dad says, hey, Tommy, clean your room. And you're like, uh, And you're kind of just like gritting your teeth and grinding. You're just like you're ticked off. Well, it's hardcore. I mean, they are grinding and gnashing their teeth at this Stephen guy. They can't believe that he just said that. Now, if I were standing there in front of this ruling council, having said that, and seeing them, you know, grind their teeth at me and see them enraged, enraged, I'd be a little bit scared. I'd be a little intimidated and be like, huh, why did I just say that? I can't believe I just said that. Guys, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tick you off. I, you know, have all these things to try to, you know, calm them down. But not Stephen. Let me show you what's happening to Stephen. It's absolutely awesome. It says, but Stephen, he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The light, the glorious splendor of God. He's staring at it, and he sees Jesus at the right hand of God. And so Stephen is seeing this, and he says, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. He, He shares with everyone what he's seen. Now, I don't know about you, but that is so cool. You see, Stephen's eyes were not on these men. They, he was, they were not on this ruling council. Guess what his eyes were focused on? They're focused on God and Jesus. Not on men, not on the ruling council. No, his gaze was on a higher plane. Listen to me, guys. Kids and adults, listen to me. When we set our eyes on God, we will not fear man. We won't. And so I want to say this, if you find yourself fearing man, I want to encourage you, lift your gaze a little higher. Don't look at them, look at God. Focus on Him. In other words, just keep your eyes on Him. And that's exactly what's happening to Stephen. He isn't alarmed one bit against these uppity-up men, these officials, these guys sitting in their high and mighty ruling chairs. His eyes are on God and his gaze is fixed on God. And in doing so, he spoke the truth without any fear of man. But let me tell you something. When this ruling council hear him say what he said, oh boy, it was not pretty. Let me show you. Let me read this to you. So Peter, or Stephen just says what he says, and it says, But they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they rushed together at him, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Guys, this was a chaotic scene. Jude, can I steal you real quick? Can you come over here? Jude, I want you to stand right there in the middle aisle. Now let's picture that Jude is Stephen. And Stephen just got done saying, looking into heavens, and he says, Man, I see God, and I see the Son of Man standing next to the throne. And these ruling counselors, they're gritting their teeth and they're enraged and they start screaming, they cover the ears and they run down. It says they all rush and they grab Stephen and they pick him up and they're hauling him out of there. We're taking him out of the city and they rip him away and they stone him. They are ticked. Give it up for Jude. Jude, you get some candy for that. Okay, I'll throw it at you. I like throwing. You know what's interesting? They didn't even care about the Roman law. 
the Jews weren't allowed to just stone people because the Roman law prohibited But they were so ticked and so upset, they just charged out there and they, they were going to kill Stephen. So they haul him out. This is a horrible situation. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I told you that Paul was going to come onto the scene today. Now, in saying that, I kind of misspoke because Paul doesn't come onto the scene today. Guess who does? Saul. Now, for you kids who don't know, Paul previously had a name, before had a name called Saul. Before he was this amazing apostle of God, his name was Saul. Okay? And Saul shows up on the scene today. Let me show you where and how he shows up. Look at what it says here. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, what is going on here? Why, why would Scripture mention that? It mentions that because here is this man who's going to be Paul. His name is Saul. He is on the scene here. Now, notice it says that they all come and lay their garments at his feet. Why would they do that? Here's why. Kind of like, you know, they would wear these cloaks and stuff, and if they were ever going to run or if they were going to do anything, you know, vigorous, they would have to take out their garments so that they would, you know, be free to do what they were going to do. And they were going to start to stone this man. So they wanted to be free to be able to do that. It's kind of like if you ever watch those movies where these guys, they get into like a street fight, and so when they get the fight, what do they do? They rip their shirt off and they throw it down. They're like, all right, bring it. They, they want to be ready to fight. Well, that's what's going on. They take their garments off and they lay it at the feet of Saul. Now, why would they lay it at the feet of Saul? Here's why. Saul's running the show. Saul is part of the ruling council. Okay, He's part of this. He's part of the big dogs that were running the show. And he's the one who's not only approving of the stoning of Stephen, he's supervising it. He's running the show here. He's putting his authoritative stamp on the killing of an innocent follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you children might be going, wait, what? I thought Paul was the good guy. Why is he doing this, this horrible stuff? I didn't know he was a murderer. What's going on? Well, here is an amazing story. This is the amazing story of Paul. Before he was this amazing follower of God and apostle for God, he was a murderer of Christians. I mean, he was looking to rid the world of followers of Jesus Christ. And Stephen was one of his first. And so Saul is finally on the scene in this series, but not in this happy, awesome little way you might have expected. No, here he is, supervising the horrific act of seeing an innocent man get killed. Now, kids, I know this is kind of a brutal ending to Stephen's life. And you might be going, man, that's just really harsh. But I want you to see that following God in a world is not easy. It's not always safe. Going against the current can be dangerous. It can sometimes lead to death. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Stephen. It happened to most of the apostles. It happened to so many of the early church. They, they lost their life for the sake of following Jesus. Following Jesus in an evil world isn't always just peaches and cream. And, and this is exactly what Stephen is experiencing. This is reality. But I want to tell you something. Those who suffer for the sake of Christ, let me tell you something. God is going to honor them in the, the next life in a huge and amazing way. It tells us that in Scripture. And so I know that Stephen, in the next life, he's going to be honored by God for the death that he died for Jesus. In fact, I'll tell you, if there's ever a way that I want to die, I want to die just like Stephen. 
because he died such an honorable death. Let me show you how Stephen died. Let me show you his final words as he was dying. And if this isn't incredible, I don't know what is. I mean, think about it. Imagine that you're being stoned to death for not having done anything wrong, just doing good, okay? Just allowing God to work through you. People are throwing stones at you. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, guys, hold on. Let's just clear our mind. Ow! Good Let's stop it. Can you guys? Ow! Good You guys are wrong in this. I'd be trying to fight everything could to save my life. Stephen does none of that. None of that. Let me show you what Stephen does as stones are being hurled at him. It says, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees. Now tell me, why was he falling to his knees? Stones were hitting him. He falls to his knees and he cried out in a loud voice, not, ouch. No, he cries out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. His final words were, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It looks so much like Jesus. Remember Jesus when he hung on that cross and people were hurling insults at him? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Well, Stephen does the same thing. He says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. And he dies. His final words were him forgiving those who were murdering him. Isn't that amazing? You think you could do that? As you're being murdered, forgiving the ones who are murdering you? Talk about amazing. And you want to hear the cool part about this? Here's the incredible thing about this whole thing. Stephen prays and asks God not to hold this sin against these men. And guess what? God answers that prayer. God uses these final words of Stephen in the life of Paul. Now, it wasn't right away. We don't know exactly how long it was. But I'm sure that this death of Stephen haunted Paul for the rest of his life. He even mentions it in Acts 22. He remembers putting this guy to death. And Stephen wasn't fighting. He wasn't arguing. He wasn't debating. He simply said, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. And God used that prayer to affect Paul. In fact, Augustine says this. He goes, the church owes the debt of Paul to the prayer of Stephen. And I think that's such a beautiful way to put it. When we get to heaven, we're going to get to meet Stephen. And we're going to get to meet Paul. We're going to get to meet the man who was put to death by this man. And yet God used both of these people to extend his kingdom. But one thing I want us to see is that when Stephen started to follow Jesus, started to be used by God, he was going against the current. We're going to find that in our world. And it's an amazing thing that we're going to, that it's an amazing thing that no matter where we go, Jesus goes with us against this current. So we get to do it with him. Amen? All right, next week, we're going to start seeing God get a hold of this, this murderer, this Saul, who was murdering Christ. He's going to get a hold of his heart, and he's begin, going to begin to transform him into a man who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, an apostle of God that does amazing things. And it's a cool story, but that's coming next week, so make sure that you're here next week. Okay? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my Whitestone family. And I, I thank you for this story of Stephen that we can read and study and learn about so that we can follow an example like that. God, I know in this world 
There's evil all around us, and the kingdom of darkness is bent against us. But God, you say that you will build your church, and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And so, God, may we go forth in your name, and may we do this with you, and may we extend your kingdom. May we go against the current, whatever it brings our way, knowing that we're doing it for you. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an amazing week this week, and we will see you next Sunday. All right, take care.
Sure. 